Hey, I'm Steve Foll, and thanks for listening. This episode of Being Freelance is supported by FreeAgent, the award-winning cloud accounting software loved and trusted by over 60,000 freelancers and small businesses, myself included. So to claim your one-month free trial, as ever, visit freeagent.com slash freelance. But right now, let's find out what it's like being freelance for UX designer Mariana Morris. Even if you're a one-person business, you also have to wear multiple hats. And I think even if you are a freelancer, you also need to, to be able to do the other jobs. We think of sales in a negative way because we keep thinking of cold calling and stuff like that. But actually, we're selling our work all the time. The act of like selling needs to be a, a win-win situation. I looked back and I thought, okay, so when was the times that I was doing the best work? And actually what I want to do is create a team. I think great work comes in is when you have multiple heads thinking about a problem rather than just one. Yes, so there is Mariana, originally from Brazil. She was a designer over there and then came to the UK to do a master's and has stayed. So that's where we find her now. She is a freelance UX designer, but has actually, as you'll hear as we chat about it, grown more like an agency model and, you know, bringing on employees and stuff like that pretty quickly. So I'm intrigued as to why and also how that's been going. It's especially interesting off the back of the company of one chat with Paul Jarvis last week, if you've not caught that episode yet or read his book. Anyway, looking forward, Mariana, in a moment, go to beingfreelance.com for details about all of our guests. There's over 150 episodes. Remember, it doesn't matter what they do as a job title. It's all about the being freelance. While you're there, join the community, click on the link and be part of the community so you can chat about what's going on and also be part of the live Q&As that we'll be doing, helping develop your business and having a bit of fun as well. That's all at beingfreelance.com. Click through to the community. There's also the mug you can buy if you're thinking at the start of 2019 as we record this and if you're listening to it now, man, my desk could do with a nice being freelance mug. They're available. I originally created them to give away to non-employees of the week or live on Twitter. And then people were like saying, I'd like one. Can I buy one? So eventually, if you follow my vlog or not, you will have seen me learning how to set up an online shop. And now you can buy them. So go check that out as well. And of course, the, the videos, the articles, it is all there, basically, beingfreelance.com, including links through to what our guests are up to. And this week's guest, as I mentioned, is Mariana Morris, a freelance UX designer hey mariana hello steve hello thanks for doing this so how about we get started hearing how you got started being freelance yeah sure about one and a half years ago i decided to quit my job and start my own thing right so i've been working in the industry for, for a long time for about kind of 15 years uh working like in other agencies you know software companies and then doing my own thing was at the back of my head for a long time and I, I think I was like just looking for the right time. So it was at that time, which probably is, is common for most people, which you kind of you're unhappy in your current kind of setup or current job. And I decided to start this new thing. So I went back to the drawing board and started thinking, okay, so what is what do I want to to do? What what are my values? You know, what are were the times that I most enjoyed working, that I was doing the best of, of my work, and how to now create something that 
can take the best out of these situations or the, you know, the best kind of work that I did before. So that's how I started briefly. <laughs> and where did you find your first clients when you decided, what were you doing? Were you in an agency before? Yeah, so before I was uh, at a software company. Uh, so I was, you know, managing a, a team, like starting designing this this kind of company. And and then just before I left, I had my first client. And, and that was, it was a nice move. But after that, as, as, in, as in, I had one client and I needed to find more clients, right? So the first thing I did was send an email to a lot of people in my network saying, hi, I'm not a freelancer. Is there anything I can help with? Was pretty much like that. And, and with that, then people start to get to know you as someone they can go to uh, instead of, you know, through other companies. And how did that work out for you? Did stuff come to you from that? Yeah, totally. So some of them came straight away and some of them created, uh, helped me create, you know, the network that, you know, one person would introduce me to another person and so on. Sometimes sales can take a long time. So for example, I'm still receiving emails from these emails I sent in the beginning. Uh, So one large project that we worked on I got a reply about a year later from this first email that I sent, right? So when we, when you send emails, sometimes you don't get a reply and you think, okay, so that didn't work. Actually, it might work in the future. You never know when they will come back and think like, oh, now I need a freelancer. So I thought of you, you know. How long are the sort of projects that you work on? Like, what does it look like for you? Are you somebody who goes in and joins a team for months, or are you somebody who works at home on multiple projects? What 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 sort of thing is it for you? I work from home on multiple projects. As soon as I started, I actually got a, a contract job, so I would go to the office and stay there for three days, and would use the other two days for freelance work, as in for going after my own clients and start, you know, having other clients, not only one. And very soon I realized that that was quite hard to manage because with sales, you can't have such a limited time because people sometimes they want to meet on a day that you are in the office, for example, and you can't, you know. So you need to be much more flexible. So and then I started realizing that you have basically two routes, right? One is you are a contractor where you work kind of with one team or one client for a long period of time. So it can be like a six-month contract or a nine-month contract. So they are much more like long-term projects. And you usually go work from, from the client's office, nine to five, this sort of thing. From my experience, the other route uh, in terms of freelancer, you have more clients, you need to go after your clients, uh, like get clients on a, much more regular basis uh, because projects can be quite quite short. And but to do that in your own time. So after that beginning where I was trying to manage both, I, I realized that it's quite hard. Like what I want to do is freelance rather than contracting on a long-term project. What was hard about it? Was it because for three days you would be in somebody's office but other people would be contacting you about other things? Yeah, yeah. I think with sales, I think it was the thing that was the hardest to manage. And I think also with freelance work, we need to have more flexibility. So 
having three days, exact days every week would mean that I can be flexible for, for example, running user research. Sometimes users are only available in a, at a certain time of the day. or So you need to be much more flexible with, with certain activities that you run. So that was kind of the difficult thing to manage both. I think to start with, that was nice because I had the security of a contract and and you know, and then at the same time, I was kind of starting with freelance. Uh, but very soon, I realized, well, I need to dedicate my time for getting clients and being being much more flexible than a set number of days and contracting work. Yeah. So at the end of that contract, you decide do you just to work with, as you say, freelance multiple clients flexibly on your own terms? Yeah, exactly. I was doing both, and then when that finished. I understood where the limit is for me in terms of what I want to do with my day-to-day. So kind of, okay, so from now on, I do need to be flexible. I understand that now. So what happened next for you? Because that's not where we find you now. So you you start freelancing for multiple clients. How'd it go? Yeah, so that went well. And I started being a freelancer and gave myself a set number of months to see if it would work. And it worked, it started working straight away. And then at that point, I thought, actually, what I want to do is create a team. You know, I want to create an environment that is a creative environment that you have, like, we can discuss innovative ideas together and, like, much more working as a team than than as an individual. And there is also... One thing that I really enjoy about my job is the business development side. So I thought, okay, so if I start to work with other people that will help me build this thing, we can we can grow this way, right? So that's what I'm doing now, which is growing as an agency rather than being a freelancer. So it was the fact that you missed bouncing it off of other people or the potential to do more? Like what, what did moving towards an, a more agency model hold for you? Yeah, that's a good question. I think it was more the potential, right? I think one thing that I, I want to do is be able to create an environment where it's a creative environment, as in, I, I looked back when I, when I quit my job, I, I looked back and I thought, okay, so when was the times that I was doing the best work? And when was like the times that I was most like feeling most fulfilled about my work. And then I visualized this environment. And then I thought, okay, so that's what I want you to do. I want to create an environment where we can do that great work. And I think this means that I find it really important to be able to communicate with other designers and bounce ideas off and actually doing critique sessions, for example, uh, because that's where... I think great work comes in is when you have multiple heads thinking about a problem rather than just one. So I think it was the potential of what it can become rather than the other thing you said, I forgot. (laughs) So how did you go about finding the people you're going to work with? And were they like freelancers? Were you all remote? Like, what did you build? Yeah, so I started working with freelancers and I still work with freelancers. And I think that's the, the first step before you can hire someone, just to make sure that you're giving the kind of safe steps, right? So I, I built a, a database of freelancers 
pretty much did a bit of recruitment on that in terms of video calls and understanding their skills and so on. And I still have this database and I keep building this database because very often we have projects that are larger than what you can take on just because you're busy, right? And then after a while, I got to a point where I thought, okay, so now is the first time that I can employ someone. And that's what I did kind of about six months ago. (laughs) Wow. How was that hiring your first person? Yeah, so that was, it's hard. So it was kind of exciting, but also quite frightening, you know. And I think my first reaction is to go to books and read the articles and, you know, really see from from people more experienced than I am, kind of how did they do that? Because it feels like a, a massive leap, leap, right? And I think it is a massive leap. So I read an article that said, you know, it's the right time to hire the first person when it's painful. And I was like, I'm here working at the weekends, weekdays. I'm working massively. It is painful. I know it is painful. I know I have enough work for someone else. Uh, so I created a list of tasks that that person would be doing the first week or, you know, on a regular basis. Yeah, there is enough work here. So that's when I decided, yeah, I'm going for it and I'll do it. And it's been working fine. So it's kind of, yeah, that was definitely the right decision to do. And is that person's skills the same as yours or of a different position? So they are uh, a designer as well. But there is a complementary thing here going on. So my my strength is mostly UX, UX strategy, usability, and all that. And I got someone who is very good at the visual aspect of it. Even though I can do the visual, I know that you know, like each designer has their own strengths. So I tried to complement it this way. And now we are hiring uh, the second person, and I'm looking for also adding to the skill sets rather than duplicating. I think this is really important. There's there's like a difficulty when you start to grow, when you hire other freelancers and when you're suddenly responsible for somebody else's salary with paying them, <laughs> frankly, <Yeah. laughs> I mean, particularly in terms of cash flow because you might not get paid for the project much further along the line than when those people wish to be paid. How, how have you found that? Yeah, yeah, that's, you know, cash flow is always the the beast, isn't it? <laughs> so from from day one, I started setting up the finance of the business uh, following a book called Profit First uh, by Mike Mikalovsky. I think that's how it says his name, where you basically have envelopes, right? So he created a book uh, that that follows this idea that you are going to spend the resources that is available to you. So instead of having one bank account with everything in it, because you might spend more than you can actually do, you set up your finance in terms of envelopes. So you basically, in kind of the way that's set up with the bank, you have like a a current account, and then you have mini accounts that are are associated with that account. So the work that comes, like the, the revenue comes into one account, then you distribute the percentages or the values to the different envelopes. One of them is going to be salaries. The other one is going to be, might be subcontractors. The other one might be profit. The other, you know, is like savings and so on. So the only way I could kind of feel safe and the only way I can feel safe by by kind of giving the first steps of growth is 
by having that envelope where there is some money in there <laughs> that if there is a problem with cash flow, I know that it's not going to be a problem in the long, like, you know, in the short term at least. So I think in terms of kind of cash flow, this really helped me uh, because at any point I can look at, you know, at my bank account, like at the business bank account, and I know exactly how it looks like without any other spreadsheets and so on. I know that there is money for salaries for the end of the month. I know there are money for kind of tax, for example. I'm not going to have any surprises. I know there is money for growth or whatever. And so did you not hire other people until you knew there was enough money in that envelope to pay them? Yeah, it's a, it's a mix, right? So I, I also like talk with other business owners to to kind of yeah understand how to do that. So it's a bit of a mix between do I have enough money and do I have work for the future months? So it's kind of can I pay now? And can I pay in the next six months, the next year? Yeah, it's kind of how I'm kind of learning how to how to do it. <laughs> and how are you finding now the multiple hats that you then have to wear? You know, you're not just a UX designer. You're people's boss and you're probably a project manager unless you've hired one. Like you're, <laughs> it's bigger than that now, right? Yeah, uh, but I think it's it was big from the start, right? Even if you're a one-person business, you also have to wear multiple hats. And I think even if you are a freelancer, uh, kind of working for yourself and not employing anyone, you also need to to be able to do the other jobs. You can't just be a designer. You don't need to go look after clients. You don't need to do the sales. You need to do the project management for you. You need to invoice clients, do the finance side, and so on. I find it even harder to be a one-person business than having multiple people because you can't really share any of these hats I think so I think what I found very early on as well was that you do need to enjoy the other sides of the business so a lot of the time we come from kind of a discipline that's not business at all right so I come from design I never run a business before and I understood that okay there are other roles like the entrepreneur side or the the manager side that needs to be as strong as the design, you know, the design side. Uh, there is a, a really good book about that as well that I read early on called The E-Myth Revisited, Why Most Small Business Don't Work and What to Do About It. So as soon as I started, I thought, okay, let me see what, what can go wrong so I can kind of understand a little bit more about what I, what I need to do. And that's what it describes is like how business owners need to be the master juggler of these three functions, like the technician, the manager, and the entrepreneur. And I think as a freelancer or as a business owner, like employing people, you do need to have all of these skill sets, I think. I tell you what, we'll put, I'm reading that book at the moment. How are you? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it's an interesting read. At times, like I kind of hate the way it's written, but the actual concepts are really sort of resonating with me. I'll put links at, at beingfreelance.com. Yeah, I really love the book, actually. I think the idea of creating templates as well. So how can you ensure that the quality is going to be high kind of across the board? And, you know, so kind of we, we keep trying to create templates that 
we like I can reuse, other people can reuse in the business and the quality keeps up. So so it sounds like you're creating systems and processes. Yeah, I'm definitely doing that. So basically anything that can be systemized, it's going to be. But of course it's a it's a creative industry, right? Like a creative job, right? So we need to see what what do we need to rethink every time and what what are the things that we don't need to think every time, you know? So we have like the right tools. Uh, so in practical terms, we are creating, you know, pattern libraries. We use a version control. So we all have the, the this most up-to-date version of that pattern library. And we kind of create templates as in the kind of the pages of what a pattern library must have, for example. We don't need to think every time. We can, you know, we are not going to forget that you need to add certain elements into the pattern library. Uh, but for every client to create a, a new one, but based on a template that is a, basically a checklist for us to go through. You've said the word sales a lot right from the very beginning. It's interesting, though, because actually it's not a word that often comes up. You know, I've spoken to over 150 people and that word doesn't often come up. People certainly run from it. It sounds like you don't, but you've embraced it. Oh, yeah, totally. Totally. So it's something that I, I think a lot of people also use business development in terms of saying sales. We we think of sales in a negative way because we keep thinking of cold calling and stuff like that. But actually, we're selling our work all the time, right? So uh, the way kind of I went to some kind of training courses on sales, and I understood that the act of like selling needs to be a, a win-win situation, right? So it's very much like you understand the person's needs, you try to help them in a way that is actually kind of is going to genuinely help them. And sometimes you can... I hope that you can actually provide the services to fit that need. But if you can't, you can recommend someone else. So kind of your your role there is to help them. And kind of, I very often, I think of that as very similar to kind of UX design when you're thinking from a a user's point of view, for example, you're trying to fulfill those needs. With sales, I I see it uh, very much like that. So the the reason I, I don't think of sales in in a negative ways because of the consultative selling, which is very much like that. Is you want to get into the win-win situation, you're there to actually help them. So that's what kind of drives me. And then once I understood this concept, I, I really kind of fell in love with it in terms, in a sense of actually, I lo- love helping people. And you know, if we can offer the services for them, we can actually work together. And that's brilliant. Uh, but if I if, if we can't then we we kind of putting them in contact with other people. So we kind of helping in, in terms of the natural working side of, the, of, of things as well. And you now work with, or as an agency name, what's the name of your agency? Fruto. Fruto. I, lo- oh, I love the way you say it. You say it better. <laughs> you do your arts better than I do. Um, but when Mariana first went freelance, were you Mariana or did you start out with a business name or did that come later? I think it came like maybe two months later, <laughs> the the company name, yeah. So that's still when you were by yourself, though. What made you change? Because because of the agency idea, because I want to grow as a business uh, and not much about, it's not about me, it's about creating an environment, creating a business that, you know, 
it's it's not kind of personal. So kind of I think very early on I thought I want to detach myself as in a person to the business as in let's try to make this business work. So that's what I yeah the reason why I created a name and a company. And how do you market? the company originally you sent out that email to everybody is that email still paying dividends or are you doing other things i'm doing a lot of things so i don't do much of the emailing anymore i think which i I should do on a kind of regular basis i think Uh, but most of my clients come from uh, references and recommendations i think if not all of them i think uh, that's such a strong part of our industry i think but I, I also organize an event, so organize UX Oxford, and that helps a lot in terms of putting your name out there, you know, get to know people. I think in our industry, it's a lot about networking. So the more you're out there, the more you're likely to find, you know, to find someone who might need your services. It can be today, it can be in one year, it can be in three years' time, you know, so... Cool. So you organize events. Were you organizing those before you went freelance or is that something you started later? Yeah, I, I, I was organizing before uh, for, for many years. So it's been like 80 years that, you, that we run UX Oxford, which is every month. So with that, I kind of ended up knowing, get to know a lot of people. And I think this is, this is really important. And also kind of public speaking as well, uh, which is never very comfortable, right? It's never very comfortable to be in front of an audience, uh, but it's really helpful to kind of get to know people. It's all about networking, I think. And also positioning yourself as an expert. Yeah, totally. And that's great because even though you weren't planning on going freelance at the time, you actually were building up your own reputation and your network just by creating those events. That's cool. Are you the only person who organizes those? No. Yeah, there are other people organizing the event. Yeah, so it's uh, the three of us. So James and Finola also organize uh, UX Oxford. And is that the main sort of revenue streams coming into you? As in, is it all through the agency now or do you have other things going on? It's pretty much uh, all through the uh, the agency. I, I lecture as well at the University of Reading once a year, uh, but this is kind of something on the side. That's good to kind of keep you kind of being able to critique designer work very like very well in a way that motivates designers and so on. So it helps me when I do you know in house training stuff like that because it keeps you up to date with those things. Yeah, so I think that's that's all I'm doing at the moment. <laughs> Earlier, you said that you know you were working massive hours every weekend, the evenings, and you described it as being painful. How's it going now? How's the work-life balance? Oh yeah, it's it's great. Uh, so we are a distributed team, right? So uh, we are all based in the UK, but we work from our own homes, and we meet when we need. Uh, which means that I I find working from home much easier to balance work and life uh, in a sense that if I need a 20 minute break, I can go and sit at my sofa, you know, and, uh, and actually do other things like taking the dishes, you know, out of the dishwasher and stuff like that, that you can only do at the very end of the day. So this is fine. And I also put a kind of a bit of a rule that I, I don't really work at the weekend. I say that, but it's a bit of a lie. But what I, what I mean by that is, I don't really plan to work at the weekends, as in, 
if I don't look at my computer for the whole weekend, nothing bad is going to happen. But if a client, a new client or a client sends me an email at the weekend, if it's urgent, I'm a, I will reply, of course, or new clients. So if someone sends me an email uh, at the weekend saying, oh, I, you know, I, I kind of, I need UX and so on. I might reply straight away just by that rule of with sales <laughs> emails, you, you want to reply as, as quick as you can uh, to keep the momentum going. Uh, so stuff like that. But I, I, th- I think it's really important to kind of have a break and not do anything because I think this improves your work uh, throughout the week as well. And do you manage to take longer breaks? Yeah. So, some might call them holidays. Yeah, totally. I think I think holidays are so important for me, you know, uh, like traveling and so on. This actually is easier now that I don't have to ask anyone if I can take the holiday. I can just make, you know, make the decision myself than, than before. But what happens, you know, you have a team that you're building and you you go on holiday. Like what actually happens business-wise? Do you actually get to switch off for a week or two <laughs> It depends what you mean by switch off. <laughs> so I, yeah, it's something that I'm still working out. So then the last holiday, for example, I was replying on Slack quite often. So that was, I, I probably shouldn't do that that often. Yeah, but usually I try to to set it up in a way that the client has already access to the designer directly, right? So ideally... If there is a problem, yeah, do involve me, regardless if I'm on holiday or not. But if it's something that is for the running of the day-to-day, this can be done by, by the designers. I think as the designer is already in contact with clients, they have they built this relationship. This can, can work well. Have you delegated other tasks to people, be it bookkeeping or project management? You know, like for, from my point of view, like... I haven't built a air quotes proper team like you have, mm-hmm. but I, I have groups of people that I work with and I have multiple projects, but I'm kind of there managing it all. H- how's it working for you? Yeah. So I am managing uh, all the projects and doing the client stuff and the bookkeeping and all that. Um, but I kind of, I actually sent a tweet out, I think yesterday asking for a virtual assistant, like recommendations, right? Because I do, and I, I created a, a list of tasks that it could be definitely done by a virtual assistant. So it kind of reduces this, you know, clutter in my mind. Uh, so that's what I'm looking for at the moment is in freelancer virtual assistants that can help me with these sort of tasks. So far, I haven't delegated much of that. I have delegated, in terms of the business side, I have delegated some marketing, kind of, I, I got a freelancer uh, marketing assistant so to delegate some of the social media stuff and some of the kind of okay and you know we're going to a tech fair let's see who is going to be there so i can actually go and meet them and so on so these tasks as in creating the list without someone else doing and stuff like that so i think yeah the more we can delegate these small tasks i think the the better it is i think just kind of trying to find the right person, right? That they are actually going to remove stuff from your head rather than keep asking you or you think, actually, I have to do this much quicker than delegating to someone else. So it's just kind of 
setting up again the templates or the set of tasks that needs to be done and get someone else to do it. So I always do this thing where I ask for three facts about yourself to make two true and one a lie and let me figure out the lie. What do you have for me, Mariana? <laughs> okay, they're, they're short. The first one is I've crossed the London Bridge dressed up as a gorilla. The second one, I crashed a car in Rio de Janeiro dressed as a witch. And the third one is I walked across Tokyo dressed as a Pikachu. Brilliant! <laughs> oh, God, I love these. So London Bridge as a gorilla. Why, why were you dressed as a gorilla? So because it was a running event in the middle of London. So what, not the London Marathon? No, not the London Marathon, no. Just a gorilla event. <laughs> what, yeah. ev what, everyone was dressed as gorillas? Everyone that was running, yes. <laughs> it was a lot of gorillas. <laughs> you were, what was it, a witch in Rio? Yeah. Why? So I was, you know, driving. It was Halloween and I crashed my car and I actually had to come out from the car as a witch and actually solve that problem. <laughs> Okay, and then you went across Tokyo dressed as Pikachu. Yeah. Again, why? <laughs> Don't tell me there were lots of people dressed as Pikachu and this was another run. No, no. Um, they do no, have... That would be crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah but I know that's what would be expected from Tokyo, I guess. So I was on holiday last year and I was with my husband. I just saw this Pikachu costume and I thought, why not? I, I want to buy it and I'm going to use it right now and just walk. <laughs> what did people make of that? Is that quite okay in Tokyo? Oh, yeah. So you see like some Mario Karts going across Tokyo in this kind of, you know, Mario and Luigi or whatever, but many of them. <laughs> people just driving around the streets dressed as Mario and Luigi? Yeah, in one of those... Like small carts. What's the name? Is like that cart? The Mario like, carts. Yeah. yeah, the Mario carts in the middle of like normal roads, and then we're walking. There's just like, oh look, lots of Mario's going across. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I have no idea which is the lie. I I take my hat off to your fancy dress. Okay, I've never heard of a gorilla run in London. Tokyo Pikachu. I I really want that to be true. That sounds like a really fun thing to do. <laughs> And I want that to be true. Rio Witch, Rio Witch Gorilla, Rio Witch. Okay, I don't think you broke down dressed as a witch in Rio. Well, I have actually. Ah! That is a true. <laughs> so, okay, Gorilla was the lie. Uh, not to know, Gorilla is a true as well. No! There is a, a, <laughs> there is a Gorilla fun run. Uh, and I did, I think it was two years ago. Yeah, so it was, maybe it was like 200 gorillas in London. <laughs> so it was Pikachu, you totally yeah. had me. Oh. Yeah, it was Pikachu, that is, no, I, I didn't. I did get like a, a jumper that looked very much like Pikachu, but it wasn't a costume, no. <laughs> I, I'm so disappointed. Okay, <laughs> well done though, you win. Now, if you could tell your younger self one thing about being freelance, what would that be? I think it would be about being kind of flexible in the negotiations, for example, uh, especially on the business side of it. When I started, I thought, okay, I can have a rule, right? Because I don't want to do the finance side of things. That is scary. That is, I don't want to talk about money and so on. 
So I kind of, you have a rule. Oh, this is my daily rate. Great. That's it. I'm going to use it for everyone. But in, in business terms, that's the in, in terms of business, I think we need to be open to negotiate, not the daily rate, but negotiate in terms of project by project basis. So I think this is something that I learned and I got more comfortable uh, with kind of talking money. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think that's one of them. Well, listen, it sounds like it's going great. And and I realized I never put this in the sort of perspective like I normally do. Is this like within the last couple of years that you went freelance, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, what what a what a journey so far. Yeah. <laughs> are you someone who's who set goals? Like have you got a big plan in front of you or are you just seeing how it goes? A bit a bit of both, I think. I, I have like yearly targets and stuff like that. I'm getting very much into the business side and the finance side of things. So um, I do have yearly targets and, and objectives, but I I see how it goes because I think that's the only way, to be honest, you need to be kind of open to see what happens. I, I have like a, almost like an end goal, but I have no idea when it's going to happen and if it's going to happen or if I want it to happen. So it's kind of, you just have a direction and you see how it goes, I think. Well, it sounds like you're having fun and enjoying having to wear those multiple hats that we spoke about earlier and becoming the entrepreneur. Yeah, <laughs> from, yeah, it's from been that fun. <laughs> Go to beingfreelance.com. There is links through to everything that Mariana is up to. So you can find all of that, be it on social or the agency website. Fruto, right? Yeah, that's right. You say it. You say it better. Fruto. See, it's the R's. <laughs> Go through and there'll be links at beingfreelance.com. While you're there, don't forget, uh, you can sign up for the newsletter. Check out my vlog. You know, whilst I chat to people like Mariana about their story, the vlog is actually me living mine like week on week. So you can check that out. And also, if you know someone, you know, if you're going to a meetup, like the sort of thing that Mariana puts on for people in Oxford, if you're going to a meetup, tell other freelancers, do, do them a favor, tell them about being freelancer, but they can go and listen as well. I would really appreciate that. But for now, Mariana, thanks so much all the best being freelance it was a pleasure thank you very much 